0: everyone and welcome into Buff Stampede Podcast. This is our football edition for this week. My name is Adam Munster Tiger. I am joined by Ryan Koenigsberg. First off, we gotta discuss what happened this past weekend. It was pretty ugly out in Seattle. Colorado traveled up there and lost fifty nine to seven and you really look back at the first nine games of the season and you look to that Washington game and you look to the Arizona State game. And those were two games they really didn't So much competitive fire. And then even the Arizona State game that was honestly overshadowed a little bit by the quarterback change. And I think people saw some some impressive things by Cephal Lufau, even in that disappointing loss at Arizona State. So there wasn't quite this negativity following that game like there has been following this last Saturday's game.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny because you see the message board all week. We're going to get killed. 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 Saturday comes around we're gonna win, we're gonna win, we're gonna win. They lose, oh my god, I can't believe we got killed like that. Um, it, it's kinda it's kind of funny to watch the progression of the fans, but it's understandable, you know, game day rolls around and you're excited to watch your team and you want them to go out there and compete. And when they throw out a performance like that, it's easy to be very upset about it. Um, I, I think I kind of had a feeling they weren't going to go out there and have the the same kind of fight that they had against UCLA, and we also knew that Washington wasn't quite going to look over Colorado the same way that UCLA did. So um, I I think it was one of those things that um, I kind of expected to happen, um, despite you know the chance that CU could have gone out there and, and competed better.
0: Sometimes these games it's not really about the final score. Because honestly, the way Washington was going, and you look at some of those uh, turnovers that turned into touchdowns in the second half, it almost seemed like they won the game more than fifty-nine to seven. Honestly, um, it, sometimes it, it's it's about the fight that you see in the team. Going back to what I said a little bit earlier, and it was not there. As Mike McIntyre said, they they just missed too many tackles. Thirty-seven tackles by his staffs count. And to put that in perspective, Chidera Uzo derebe who Leads the defensive line in tackles this year. Has 37 tackles on the season through nine games. That's how many tackles they missed in one game. Um, Mac McIntyre tried to put it on his shoulders. He said, we didn't hit one day last week. And that was the difference. We, we put it on our shoulders. I think that's great that the head coach comes out there. I think it's great that the coaching staff takes responsibility like that. But come on. One day of hitting in practice is not going to result in the, in that type of difference on the football field.
1: No, it, it's, it comes down to um, want, I think, when it comes to tackling. You know, you you see, like we talked about before the show, in the UCLA game, they were fighting and they were gang tackling yeah. all over yeah. the place. Um, on Saturday, there, there was not many times when there was more than one guy in the area who was missing that tackle. And to me that 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 doesn't you know just change week to week without a, um, a mental change which was you know extremely negative in their part I think they kind of gave up in that game um, early and you know um, maybe it's just it's just a, a product of so many of these losses coming in a row now that it kind of just boiled over for them and they kind of did revert back to some old habits when it was just, you know, they weren't seeing it on the field. But I think, you know, it, it was just a case that the players just weren't playing as hard as they possibly could in that game.
0: Two steps forward, one step back is something you do use to describe a program, a player developing. And I think if that's the way Colorado's program is going forward, that's fine. We'll we'll see on Saturday against Cal. Was this a two-step forward, one-step back type of thing? Or was this you know, two steps back, one step forward? Because honestly, that that obviously is not a performance that anybody, the coaches, players, fans can live with if it happens on a reoccurring basis. And honestly, that's what happened way too many times under John Embry's second season, and that's why he's not the coach any longer. It sometimes wasn't necessarily the the record. It was just the – what you, what you were seeing with your own eyes out on the football field. And that's what you, – you say fans on the message board and, and yeah, they realized they weren't going to win that football game. 99 out of 100 at least, you know, the realistic fans. Because Bishop Sankey's a hell of a player. Keith Price is a senior quarterback. Austin Severian Jenkins is a freak as we saw in that, in that game. They've got a great defense. It's a very good football team. I mean, there, there's a lot of teams that can get beat like that by, um, you know, Washington. Um, I shouldn't say be like that. <laughs> can get beat by Washington. But you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's, it's more you're, – you're watching with your eyes and you're just seeing, okay, this team is further away than I thought they were after watching that UCLA game. I think that's the hardest part that it was for, for CU fans to really digest.
1: Yeah, and that's understandable. I mean, 59 to seven, and like you said, it looked worse than that. It looked like 100 to zero, really. Um, and except for Paul
0: Richardson, that one play was pretty, pretty cool <laughs> to see a guy that wasn't even supposed to play score that type of
1: touchdown. And you could tell that he that wasn't even close to his full speed. When even yeah. when he was running after the catch, he wasn't yeah. even he was maybe at 80% speed and he still went by that guy. And and I also think you have to look at at Sefo Lufau, Um the way, I mean, i I said on Twitter, I honestly, at a point, I did not know how he continued to get up and get back yeah. in the huddle. Because, you, the, you know, the camera crew on that game did a really good job of capturing his facial expressions while he's laying there on the ground after getting wrecked, <laughs> play after play after play, and I was like, oh, that's it. He's going to have to sit a couple out now. And every time, you know, he slowly pushes himself back up and jogs into the huddle and starts calling the next play. That, if there's one person who was fighting... Whistle-to-whistle whistle in that game, it was definitely Seth Lufa. Yeah, I, I uh,
0: put out on Twitter that you will never have to question that guy's, you know, his toughness. There, There's just no way. I mean, he's not that big of a guy, and he, like you said, he just keeps taking these hits. And, and to your point about Paul Richardson... Is there a player that knows angles better than Paul Richardson? It, it's really amazing. It's really fun to watch. You look at how many touchdowns, 50 yards or longer, in his career, and it, it's an astonishing number. And it, I think it is it not, not just because of speed, but he understands how to pull guys out of their, you know, their angle. They, they think they have that angle to get him. Now they move on. They they play Cal, and I know. Colorado fans, you know, they, they watch that game against Washington. They wake up the next day and then the opening lines come out for the next week and Colorado is a three-point favorite. And I think it was kind of a, um, you know, a shocker for Colorado fans of how bad Cal is, really. I think that's what I took from it more than anything. Well, what did you take from that?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was actually pretty shocked as well. And I, I was just listening to the radio earlier and they were talking about how the Broncos are 8.5 – point favorites over the Chiefs this week, and they're having a, a guy from a sports book on, on their show to talk about why they made that. way. I would love to talk to someone about why Colorado is a three-point favorite over Cal. I honestly think they looked at both teams and said, wow, these guys are both really bad. I think we're going to put Colorado as the favorite because they're at home. I really well, think that's the only thing they looked well, at.
0: It does mean something. You look at Colorado at home in the state of Colorado, if you want to include the Colorado State game, they've been... You, you, if you're a pessimist, you would say they've been okay at home. If you're an optimist, you'd say they've been good at home because they battled Oregon. They were in the game at you know with Arizona at home, and the other games they won at home, or you know down at uh, Sports Authority Field they beat Colorado State. Cal. You look at some of the – you try to compare some of the scores and obviously that's not everything that goes into making a line or predicting who's going to win a football game. But Cal has been getting blown out by same teams Colorado has been playing. Um, so, you know, the, I think if you look at Cal's roster, they have more talent. But you look yep. at Colorado, I think you have – I don't know if the right word is here. Maybe – Coaching. Coaching? I think, have, I think they have better coaching. Okay. That, that's one way to look at it, and then they do have the home field advantage, and so I, I do see that. I think because you know people realize that Cal has more four- and five-star guys on their roster, the, that line will get pushed down a little bit. I don't know. We have a lot of archive listeners for our show. It might be pushed down closer to you know a pick 'em or maybe Colorado only favored by one by the time this thing kicks off, but it really didn't sh- shock me. I think it was just was kind of that shock value coming off the Washington game, really. Yeah. But, and I'm gonna write an article about this later in the week. It's one of these something's got to give type of games because Colorado has lost 14 conference games in a row. Cal's lost 12 in a row.
1: Some, somebody's Someone's got to somebody break streak. a streak. Yeah. So one thing I'll, I I want to ask you is what you think the attendance of this game is gonna be because I I don't I think that it could be like around 30,000 or maybe even less. I think it'll be greater than that. Um, you
0: know, I I feel like now you've gotten to the point. You know, especially like this, if you're for, if you're a fringe Colorado fan and you're like, I want to see them go win a game, and I'm not going to go because they're going to get blown out. You better show up on mm-hmm. Saturday to the Folsom Field. Um, so I would not be surprised. I I think they'll be, gosh, maybe this is too generous, but 30, 37,
1: 38. Okay, Uh, because I think if there's that many there, then then the home field advantage is still strong. I think if it turns out how I think it's going to turn out, which is right around 30, I think you kind of lose you lose that home field advantage a bit, and it it almost feels the atmosphere just kind of feels stale in the stadium. Um, I hope I'm wrong about that because, like you said, I think this is at the very least it's going to be an exciting football game um, in terms of the scoreboard. So. You know, if there's that fan that says, "Okay, I'll go to one game this year," if they didn't already choose Charleston Southern because they really wanted to see a win, I think they should come out for this one.
0: Yeah, and I'm not very good at all about predicting attendance numbers, so I hope no one's taking that my guess to the bank. I've just I've noticed I've been doing this job for over a decade now. And I'll run into CU fans at the grocery store, or wherever. Um, it doesn't happen every day. I'm not. I'm not in Lincoln, Nebraska, where our, our Nebraska publisher is getting hounded all of, all the time. But a lot of times, it's it's sad to say. I, I run into Colorado fans that tell me I used to be subscribed. I used to follow CU, but gosh, lately I, I'm sorry. Dan Hawkins ruined it for me, or John Embry ruined it for me, or whatever the reason may be. And they're like, if they could just be competitive again, I'd show up. So that I guess that was to my optimism as far as the CU fan that looks at, okay, I want to see a competitive game. And, uh, you know, it's hard to blame some of those people because, you know, it costs money to get in the game. You know, you have to, you know, fight traffic, park your car and all that kind of stuff when at home you have that HDTV and a, you know, a fridge full of beer, you know. Um, But I I think, I, I have faith in Colorado fans. They will make this somewhat of a home field advantage this Saturday. All right. Uh, You know, this leads into our final football topic for today. And uh, Will Whalen, who, um, as I mentioned, is battling the flu, uh, could not host the show this week. He put this on the production plan. He said, how are people going to view Mike McIntyre's first year? And I thought this was a perfect topic following what we're just talking about, the Cal game. Because it is, of my opinion, as you look at this football team right now, three wins, all of them non-conference. Two of them against an FCS foe, and you see them going up against Cal, and you know they're favored in that football game. You might say this is their last realistic chance to win a football game this year. I don't know if I'm going to go quite that far, um, but this—if w- they beat Cal, that would mean four wins, which would drastically change the way a lot of people would view this season. Ryan, do you think Colorado fans should have that perspective? Should they go into Saturday's game going, if they win, I feel great about this staff. If they lose, not so much. I don't think it should be
1: that quite that drastic, but I do think there's a there's a big difference between losing every single one of your Pac-12 games and, and winning one. Um, it's just you don't want to see that zero in the parentheses next to Pac-12 when you look at the record. So you know. The, the casual fan who's looking at, their, uh, at at them and says, okay, they won one last year, they win four this year, that's an improvement. And, and even if they're not the ones like us who see every single game and see the little improvements on the field, if they can just see that, that four wins and not look at, at the, the – and say, well, they didn't beat anyone, even though Colorado State is probably going to end up being a bowl team, which, you know, you can look at however you want. If you want to look at that as the Mountain West being a bad conference, but I, I mean it's not
0: a good conference this year. But give a respectable pre- give yeah. what
1: press do. The Colorado State is is a respectable football team that Colorado beat. But if you put Cal on there too, that's a conference win. You know, that's a team that not far, not long ago was putting up a Washington-esque score on CU. I think you know that that changes the the uh, outlook a lot. And I think that game is going to change the last two games of the season for the players too. If they win that game, there's still bowl hope alive in their head. And that's going to, you know, give them so much motivation in those last two games. You know, they're going to play USC at home, who's uh, clicking pretty well right now. But if they, you know, coming off a win, their spirits would be high. There's, They're, they're going to believe that they have a chance in that game and they're really going to fight. And I think that's going to build even more into the way that Colorado fans view that season.
0: This wasn't on the production plan, but it's something that I kind of want to get off my chest a little bit, and I want to hear your thoughts, Ryan. You've got – because John Embry and his staff, a lot of them were former buffs, there was a lot of love for those guys, and there was a lot of bitter feelings from some people when that coaching change took place after two years. And some of those individuals – have looked at the season under Mike McIntyre and it's too bad for Mike McIntyre and his staff that they have to be kind of following up a former legend staff, you know, with all these great expectations for these former buffs. And it obviously didn't, uh, you know, pay off uh, for the program. But their, their point would be, okay, well, John Embry didn't have Paul Richardson last year. Um, if they had him, they would be as competitive or better than this team this year has been. On the other side, you look at it, or I should even say back on the John Embry side of things, you know, for some of those apologists, they will say that, um, you know, Colorado faced two FCS teams this year. So it's kind of um, watered down in that sense, you know, in terms of their win. On the other hand, the Pac-12 this year is so much better a football conference than since Colorado joined in. I know it's only been three years now, but this conference week in, week out, Arizona is much better. Arizona State's much better. USC, now that they've made the coaching change, is better. Utah is better. UCLA has gotten better under the coaching staff. That's just the Washington. South right there. Washington's gotten better. Washington State yeah. is better. So with all that said, so Colorado has not gotten a conference win, but they've they've been losing to these really competitive teams. They have three wins. If they get that fourth win – and they have matched the win total for John Embry's two, first two seasons, including one year where they played out Hawaii and played a 13-game schedule, uh, 25 games. If you match that win total in 12 games, does that shut up some of those critics for
1: for this staff? I think it has to. Um, you know, I, I think it, what, no matter how you look at the schedule, four wins is four wins, and John Embry couldn't beat Colorado State in an FCS team last year. Uh, you know, Mike McIntyre goes and beats Colorado State, two FCS teams, and a Pac-12 opponent. I think you you have to notice there's a big difference there. And Paul Richardson is part of that big difference. You can't just say that Paul Richardson wouldn't have made a difference last season. But I don't know if Paul Richardson can – you can, you know, put everything onto on his shoulders as as great of a player he is. So I think, yeah, I think you do have to uh, um, notice that Mike McIntyre equaled two seasons of John Embry wins in one season, and you just have to notice that.
0: I felt like there were more, you know, there there are still three games left in the season, so the script is still to be written in that sense. And there have been two games at Arizona State and at Washington where they flat out, it did not look like they competed. I felt, though, to the naked eye, I, I felt like there have been some very noticeable changes. You know, I think particularly, you saw how bad they were tackling last week. I felt like that was an area for most of the season they had actually gotten better at. Are there any other areas you just watching the games, you can kind of notice a difference? It, it seems like even though they don't quite have the athletes some of these teams are going up against, most of the time they're in position. <laughs> they don't make the play. It's not like Kadeem Carey at Arizona last yep. year where parting of the Red Sea and he's going for a Pac-12 rushing record, you know, 266 yards. What, what are your thoughts? Do you see anything Three, with – 300.
1: 366 <laughs> yards. Jeez. Yeah. I tried to flush that out of my memory. <laughs> no, I, I think that's what I was going to point to is alignment and – the fact that this year they're they're in position uh, or at least on most plays they're in position to You know be successful um, They a lot of times last year. I've i said I would have run a deep post on Colorado every single play I wouldn't even ran another play. I would have just run that every you can't do that this year um, even though you know, they might be a step slow the fact that they're getting lined up and aligned correctly on the defensive end is is helping them a lot to, you know, make make that play. You know, Jared Bell makes a a jumping deflect deflection in that game to stop a touchdown. He doesn't make no one makes that play last year. Um there's just, you know, you you hate to just look at little thing after little thing that's not helping the scoreboard necessarily too much, but in, in a situation like this you you have to notice it.
0: So Cal, I know we didn't really talk about this before we went on air, but do, do you have a prediction in mind? I, I think I'm going to pick Colorado to win this football game, and it's going to be a narrow victory. I'm going to give them a 35 to 33 win over Cal. Uh, this is a you know a game where you know both defenses haven't been playing very well this season, but I think Colorado's home field advantage will propel them to their fourth victory, which would then I think allow Colorado really to play with house money the rest of the way playing at USC at home and then on the road at Utah. Brian, do you have any thoughts? I don't mean to put you on the spot. If you don't have a prediction in mind, say that until later in the week. But what, just what are your thoughts about this game going in?
1: Yeah, I'll give a prediction. I actually think it's going to be a lower, lower scoring game than you predicted. And the reason I think that is because um, I think Colorado is going to run the ball really, really successfully in this game. Um, I think that Michael Adkins and Christian Powell are both going to have pretty big games. I think that Colorado's going to control um, the ball for a lot of this game. So I think um, it's going to be something closer to about 28 to 24 in Colorado's um, hands. And I think um, for the first time in who knows how long, I think they're going to have two running backs go over 100 yards.
0: Good stuff, good stuff. Well, we're going to have more football content. I'm, I'm kind of hitting the recruiting um, aspect a little bit harder now as we're getting closer to official visit season. Ryan and I, before this um, episode of Buff Stampede podcast aired, we uh, went out and shot a video segment for Donovan Lee, one of the Buffalo's top targets, really, from the class of 2014. So look forward to that. And definitely stay tuned to buffstampede.com because we got you covered.